We've been talking about change, and this morning I want to speak on change your thinking. Go with me to Genesis chapter 11 from verse 1. Genesis chapter 11 from verse 1. And let's all read it together. Genesis 11, 1, let's go. Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. And it came to pass, as they journeyed from the east, that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. Then they, came, they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks, and bake them thoroughly. They had bricks for stone, and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one, and they all have one language, and this what they begin to do, nothing, now nothing that they propose in to do will be withheld from them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language that they may not understand one under speech. So the Lord scattered them from abroad from there over the face of the earth, and they ceased building the city. Praise the Lord. May the Lord bless his words in her house in Jesus' name. If we look at that scripture, and most times we have try to interpret it from different perspective. Even me have tried to look at it from different perspectives before now. And we think, say, ah, that they wanted, we concentrate on the fact they wanted to make a name for themselves. They wanted to make a city that, you know, is up to, um, build a tower up to heavens. But I took a, deeper, a second look at that place and really, I did not find something wrong with what was happening in that place. Let's look at the theme in that place. What I see there is a group of people who are united. And that's a positive thing. I see there also a group of people who understood the power of thinking and they went ahead with something that entered into their mind. Now, when it's talked about let's make, build a tower that will reach the heavens, I really don't think that the, we are thinking that it was possible for, to make something that would from the earth get to the heaven. I think it was just an hyperbole to describe how big their imagination was. And that's 
not a bad thing too. When you think of the said, let's make a name for ourselves, it is normal for people. Even as we want to build a church, we want to build a church for to the glory of God and to the name of God. Well, yes, it's also true that unconsciously in our hearts, we also want to make a name in this city because that is what, and that's not a, a bad thing. And the truth of the matter is also that if you look at that place, they actually completed the tower. There were two things there. He said, let us come together and build a city and a tower. So there was two things. There was, they were trying to build a city, and inside that city, there was a tower. And now they continued. They started with the tower, and they completed the tower. That's why I said, I don't think it was something they were trying to reach the heaven. Because when God said, let us come down, the Bible said that, God said, let us, he said, in verse 5, but the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had what? Had built. Is that a past tense or continuous something that is happening? It means that it has built. The God came down to see the tower they had built because they were trying to build this. And God said, ah, now, nothing that has entered into the heart of these people, this thinking of these people, that they cannot do. But somehow, and again, they said they, they, they said they didn't want to be scattered. They wanted to be in one accord. And that is also a good thing. But then, that is not the plan of God. Because when God created, what did he say? He said, replenish and multiply right so God if these people continue this way they will actually remain in this place God could not change their thinking because God has given us that free will to think God had to bring a superior thing because God not taught us what can I do to change these people's attention and that was why God said okay one thing is obvious. These people have one language. And he said, let us go down and just do what? Confuse their language. By the time God confused their language, they began to think differently. They began to think separately. And that was the end of the work. By virtue of God changing their language, their thinking changed. So, what am I trying to say? From this place, we see thinking in process. We see how what is conceived in the mind, how we think about something, how it can affect what we put out. Praise the Lord. You know, so that means if your thinking is not right, your output will not be right. If you're, there's a problem with your thinking pattern, with the way you see certain things, then you keep doing that thing in that way because you are influenced by your thinking. And that is why we want to talk about this one, about changing your thinking. Praise the Lord. Now, what does the Bible talk about 
what are some biblical facts about thinking? If you go to Psalm 23, verse 6 to 8. Psalm 23, verse 6 to 8. One thing is that thinking is your, your thinking is your real identity. Psalm 23, verse 8. If you see it, please project it for me. Your thinking is your real identity. Now, it says, surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me. And these, all the days of my life, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Go ahead. Um, go ahead to, to verse 8. Now, 53. I'm, that's, where the Bible says, as a man thinketh, so he is. Pro, sorry, I was it's proverb, not Sam. Sorry, Proverbs, Proverbs 23, 6 to 8. Proverbs 23, 6 to 8. Do not eat the bread of a miser, nor desire his delicacies. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, he says, but his heart is not with you. The muzzle you have eaten, you will vomit and waste your pleasant words. Go back to verse 8. Uh, uh, verse 7. Now, if you look at that scripture, say, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is what? Is he. Now, this same man is the person that have invited somebody. Was that an act of wickedness or kindness? A lot of kindness, right? Now, I try to understand that scripture. If he said as a man, it means that before now, this person has been displaying some kind of act. And this display of act is a reflection of what he thinks in his heart. And on one occasion, he does something differently from what we know him to be. And we are one to be careful. In other words, don't be carried away by one act of kindness. Because that is really not who the person is. I'll give you an example. When you think about Saul, Saul in the New Testament, I'm not talking about Paul. They are two different people. When you think about Saul, what comes to your mind? A persecutor, right? Somebody who kills the Christians. With that, you can see this is this is the mind. If you ask, what do you think is always in the mind of Saul at that time? You you say violence, killing. Because how do you know that is what is in his, in his mind by virtue of what he was exhibiting? Okay. Now, to tell you what, when the Bible is saying, don't be carried away by this one act of kindness, because as a man so. Now, when Saul met God, and Ananias was told that Saul was coming to meet him, did he agree? He did not agree. He did not believe initially. Even saw him, even saw himself had reservation. Why? Because Saul just coming from nowhere and saying, "I am not a changed man. I am not a good man." 
is not synonymous with what they have known him to be. Because all they know Saul about is as a murderer, as a persecutor. And now God is telling you that that same man is coming to meet you. He said, God, no. Because that is not what they know Saul to be. So when the Bible is saying that this man a man as a man thinking, so you don't be carried away. Say even do what you eat that you will do what? You vomit it. So what am I trying to say? Your thinking is your real identity. That is what frames you, that is what manifests you. Praise the Lord. Secondly, your thinking is your conscious and your unconscious prayer. Your thinking is your conscious and unconscious prayer. We know that in Matthew uh, 7, 7, it says, Knock, ask, and you shall what? Seek, and you shall knock, and you shall be open unto you. Then if you go to Ephesians uh, 3.20, and he said, Unto him who is able to do above that which you can what? You can ask or what? Or think so. That's so. Whenever next, when you next, when you read as Matthew seven seven, also add that one. As add your thinking. Seek, ask, and you shall find. Seek, ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Think, and it shall be so. Because the Bible said that he is able to do above that which we can ask or do what or think. So because so you're thinking unknown to you, you are praying. It's a, it's, it's, it's a prayer. And because we are ignorant of that, we do not understand why sometimes that aspect of our prayer. We are making, we are either asking amiss, because the Bible says you ask and you do not receive, because you do what? You ask amiss. The Bible talked about vain repetition in our prayers. So some of our thinking pattern f- flows in that direction, because we are not thinking, because your thinking is your real expectation and limitation. Do you get me? Your thinking. Is your real expectation and your limitation. Sometimes our thinking is so strong that it brings answers faster than what we are saying with our mouth. Are you getting my point? You, that's why some people may be praying, but in their hearts, they are thinking, is it possible? And it's not possible because your thinking has a greater power of bringing answers faster than what you are saying. Because the Bible says in so many places, it says, seeing that a man who does not believe, he shall not receive, and let him not think that he shall receive anything from the Lord. Is that man praying or not? Well, what is the problem? His thought process. And he said, when after the, the Victory, whatever he said, he said, say, if you shall ask the Father anything in my name, not do, not what? Doubting. 
So it's not just about what you are saying. What is your thought process about that thing? And that's why some Christians we have made mis- we have this thought process, thought process have led us to believing ah salvation is free and everything salvation is free then everything in Christ is free. Some of us have that mentality. You know the song we used to sing in the Potter's house, everything you need in the Potter's house. So some people have had, remember we started by saying that their thinking is, is, is an act of prayer. And then it now begins to think everything is free. Fine. Salvation is free. God can heal you for free. But, but most things have either been paid for or need to be paid for. You need to have that understanding. Conception, for instance, is you say it's free, right? But is it free? A man paid, had to pay something for you to conceive. <laughs> right? I'm going, I'm going somewhere. You know? Because the only person I know that got it free is Mary. After her, no other person. Right? So, is God gives, but the only person that God just gave like that was Mary. So, everything, yes, is free, but what do you need to do? We say, the Lord shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory, right? And some people will run with that, and that will be their prayer. And that is where they stop. The Lord shall supply all my needs. What of your wants? Right? So, now, the, and the, the needs, um, free supply of needs is for the moment of need. Free supply of need is for the moment of need. God will always meet you at the point of your need. When in Exodus uh, 16, when God was, when they were hungry in the, in the journey, they were hungry, and God gave them manna, right? Fed them with manna and quail because it was a need. It was, and He gave them an instruction. He said, Don't take for what will last you for the next day. That was the instruction. Just take what you what you do. What he said, if you read that, he said, Let every man take according to his need. But the Bible said that some of them took, some took less than they needed, and some took more than they needed outside. And when Exodus 16, and when they got home, they measured it. He said, those that took less and those that took more, the measurement was the same. So why did <laughs> so even though they took less, even though they took more, the Bible said when they measured it, the measurement of each person was the same. And those that the day he told them not to take, keep it for the next day. Some people felt they were smarter than, smarter than God and they said to keep. Bible said by the next morning it was what? It was spoiled. What am I trying to say? Needs, God will meet your need because need, there is a need for it at the moment. But for every other thing you need, you need to ask, know what you need to do. You need to change your thinking. When he gave, when they were thirsty in the wilderness, God, them, God gave them water. But after that, did they carry the rock of water 
to the next location? No. Jesus fed 5,000 because there was a need for it. There was free bread, right? He fed them 5,000 for once. Did he feed them for the rest of their life? The woman whose husband died that was a debtor, when he met Elisha, he said, when, he, when she experienced the miracle, he said, go pay your debtors and do what? He said, live on the rest. That means your need has been made. The rest is business. When he said, when he said leave, did he mean that they should, morning, afternoon, night for the rest of the day, they should drink in all year? No. It means that there is something else to not start doing with this. What am I trying to do? Change your thinking about some of the things that we say. Praise the Lord. Now, let's just go towards some certain things we might need to change our direction in how we think about it. It's even your talent. When God gives you a talent, for instance, it's free, but you cannot maximize that talent if you're not doing something about it. Because hard work will always beat talent when talent is not working hard. Do you understand? Hard work will always beat talent when talent is not working hard. If you have a talent and I don't have it, if I work hard on that same talent, with time, I will surpass you, even with your talent. That's the way it works. So now, what are some of the certain things we, need, we can change our thinking? We've always heard something say, people say, um, it's my business. It's not your business, it's nobody's business. Why are you why are you putting your mouth into it? Why are you why why are you it's, does it consign you? We've heard that, right? Now, I want us to change our thinking about that. The Bible says that no man liveth unto himself and no man dieth unto himself. Romans 14, 7. No man liveth unto himself and no man dieth unto himself. Whatever you are doing and you say, it's my business. Change, think, think again. Because even when you die, somebody will bury you. It's not, your, it's not his business. It's not nobody's business, right? But when you die, it becomes somebody's business to bury you. So why is, it not, why is what you are doing when you are alive not, not somebody's business? So, the fact is that whether some, you find out that some people, when you die, some people, to tell you how you live and how you die is somebody's business. Because when you die, there are some people that will be happy and there are some people that will be, that will be, that will be, that will be angry. Of course, I know there's one man in the whole world now that if we, if we hear that he has died, all of us will be happy. You will not pray and ask God why, you know, because you know the answer. Right? So what am I trying to say? Even when you are living, that thing you say is not your business. It's not someone either. You don't know how much it is contributing to some other person negatively. So it's not if 
No man dies. If, if you cannot bury yourself, what you do while you are living is somebody's business. Change your thinking about it. Because you know how many people that are validating their action by virtue of what they are seeing you do. So, their action may be wrong or right, but they are validating their action by virtue of how you have decided to live your life. And they are using it to validate their action. Praise the Lord. Why that looks like a big thing? We need to change our mind also about small things. Looks... 16.10 Luke 16.10 It says, He who is faithful in what? What is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is also unjust in what is much. And in Psalms of Solomon 2.15 it says, Little foxes that do what? That spoil the vine. And in another place, he said, a little leavening, leaveneth what? The whole lump. So, what are those small things? We've heard the saying, you know elephants, right? We all know elephants, as big as it. Do, do elephants, do they bite? They don't bite. And we know mosquito. How big is it? How big is it? Very tiny. Do they bite? What is the point I'm trying to make? Those little things you call in little things are really the things that are biting. So you need to change your mind about those little things. It could be as little as greeting. It could be as little as anything. It could be as little. You know, some of us have this mentality of ah, when we go for for this, when we go for shopping, it's on sale, just one dollar. It would, just one dollar. It's just one dollar. By the time you get to the checkout counter, <laughs> are you paying one dollar? You see, what you have done have multiplied and compiled and had a compound effect. So at the end of the day, it's not just one dollar. So what are those little things? That you need to change your mind about. Is it as little as punctuality? For some people, it's, it looks like a little thing. But those little things will bite you. What are those little things that people are complaining about? It will bite you. Praise the Lord. Now, let's talk about apology. I need you to change your thinking about apology. It's good to apologize. Nice and good. But when, if you always apologizing, what does it mean? It means a lot of things, right? It means that you keep doing the same thing. You're not, it, it means a lot. It means a lot of th- a lot of things. It's not just right. So, what am I trying to say? Change your thinking about apology, and start living like. How do can I live my life with less need to apologize? 
By the time you start thinking that way, a lot of things are going to change in your life. You become more respectful. You become more consistent in doing the right thing. You'll be a better person. You'll be a, a more refined person. you have a better self-development. You will not be taking things for granted. There's something I call the rule of three. You do something for the first time, wrong. You make a mistake for the first time, or you have a vice for the first time, it's pardonable. You did it for the second time, ah, it's understandable, you're not used to doing it right. Fine. You make the same mistake the third time, we'll give you the benefit of doubt that it wasn't intentional. But by the time you, after three times, there's a problem. Even Jesus, when he, after, after Jesus, devil tempted him for ten time, for three times, the third time, what did he say? He said what? He said, no, what did Jesus tell the devil? Get thee behind me. After the third time, he said, get thee behind me. There was no need, no, need, no time for the fourth one. Praise the Lord. What? Even when he died, he stayed only three days. After the third day, he said it was enough. He got up. Stop, stop repeating things over and over again. Peter, he denied Jesus the first time. The second time. The third time. After the third time, what did he do? He repented. I call it the rule of three. After the third time, he repented. The same Peter, God gave him a vision. He sent a scroll. He said, Arise, kill him. I eat. First time, he said no. Second time, he said no. Third time, after the third time, what was the message was taken from from him and given to Paul because he doesn't he didn't want to go to he didn't understand it. So what am I trying to say? Life is not an experiment. It's only an experiment that you are allowed to make so much mistake because you're experimenting. Thomas Edison made a thousand experiments, right? To invade the electricity light. Life is not an experiment. Stop making the same mistake. When it comes to matter of character and attitude, stop making it more than three times. It doesn't, it doesn't give a good account of yourself. Praise the Lord. We need to we need to change and it. Even some people in our in our in our marriages, we are doing making the same mistake over and over again, as if our marriage is an is an experiment. It's not an experiment too. It's real. Life is real. Some people have will give you will give you some advice and say go and try it. Go and try it. Give you another one. Go and try it. Before you try anything, you know what I will tell you? Judge it by what the scripture says. What does the Bible say about this thing? If it does not conform with what the Bible says, don't just waste your time. Praise the Lord. So, uh, uh, let's change your thinking about apology. Don't think, I can always apologize. The less you apologize, the more it shows that you are growing. The more issues that you are developing, the more issues that you are becoming a better and a better and a better person. Praise the Lord.
Change your thinking about what you say about people. Don't say things, don't say things about people that they'll be surprised to hear you said about them. Or things you cannot repeat in their, in their, in their presence. Yes, it's your mouth. You can talk. But if somebody, the person will hear it and be surprised that you said that about the person. No matter how justified what you said is, keep your mouth shut. Don't say it. If you cannot even say it when, if in the presence of the person, when the person is not coming around, you change the topic. Then change the topic from the beginning. Don't even start it. Praise the Lord. Change your thinking about what you say about people. Change your thinking about equality. God created us, yes, all the same. But you know, that thing has entered some of our head. And then we, do no, lo- we no longer give honor to whom honor is due. We no longer respect him because we say we are all equal. Even in marriage, God created man and woman the same, right? But in marriage, to be able to make order, he didn't, he didn't create them equal. He said, he said one is the head. But the world is telling you a different thing. And where is he leading to the, where is he leading the world? I'm not trying to be, get me right, and get what, my, what I'm saying in this. If you follow social media and chauvinism, whether male chauvinism or female chauvinism, you will get it wrong. But if you stick to the principles of God, you will always get it right. You will always get it right. So stop because we think we are all equal. Then you cannot give honor to whom honor is. Even in the church, even in places, if you have a leader, if you have somebody, we are not equal. That's why he's your leader. Because the truth of the matter is that you are a leader somewhere. It doesn't matter how small where it is, even if it's just in your house. So, let's rethink about how we see ourselves and give honor to whom honor is due. Praise the Lord. Change your thinking about grace. We've been talking about grace. Grace is simply an opportunity and a gift taken together. Bible says that Noah found if you go to Genesis verse 6 Verse and eight in verse six eight he said Noah found grace in the sight in the eyes of the Lord. But then was that the end of the story? If you go to verse twenty two of that says that is where Noah activated the grief the the grace. Bible said that Noah did according to all that God has commanded. So did what? Did he? Genesis 6 22. After he found grace in the sight of God, that grace was not yet activated. It was activated in verse 22, where he says, 622, project it please. 
Genesis 6.22. He said, And Noah did according to all that God commanded him. Grace on itself cannot save you. We are not saved through grace. Grace cannot save you. Grace is an opportunity that only becomes active when you mix its faith and repentance. Then grace becomes beneficial to you. And that's why I said, shall we continue in sin that grace may do what? Abound. In first in Second Peter 3:18, it talks about he said, he said, grow in what? Grace. Means you have to do something. Grace is there. It's just like Jesus has died. The death of Jesus cannot save anybody unless he said, with your heart you believe and confess unto repentance. That is when it kicks in. So change your thinking of what you think about grace. Grace involves you taking, grace is only an opportunity which if you don't take it by virtue of repentance and faith, it's profited to you nothing. Praise the Lord. I'm just choosing it because I cannot finish all of them. Change your thinking about your trusting your memory. God gives you ideas every day. When He gives you, write it down. Don't think that you always remember. Those things once immediately comes, and it happens to me a lot. I've lost a lot of a lot of ideas, a lot of revelations because I did not write. Bible says in Habakkuk 2 2, it says what? Write the words. Stop using your head as a filing cabinet. Write it down. You, if you keep writing every, all the ideas that come to you at the end of the year, take that book. You'll be surprised it came from you. You'll be surprised. Then you can know the amount of ideas you have let go all the while. Praise the Lord. Maybe finally, because of time, whatever you do, do you know, we have, my sister will say, every time when she, she says me, she will say, are you still old school, singing old school song? But some of those old school songs are good. You know the song, when Jesus, when Jesus come, where will you when the trumpet, where will you? When Jesus, where will you? When the trumpet, where will you? And that's the last one. Whatever you do, wherever you are, let your thinking be if Jesus comes, if the trumpet sounds, where will I be? 
Where will I be? It could be what is the location where you are. It could be what is the state of your mind. It could be what is the state of your relationship. It could be anything. But the fact is that where will you be when Jesus comes? When the trumpet sounds? If you have that understanding and that consciousness, you will think differently of everything. Even when things are happening in the world, you will try to ask, what is the prophecy saying about this? What does it, what time are we in by virtue of what is happening? That Because the Bible says the children of Issachar, they had understanding of what? The signs and the time. So you no longer look at the things you no longer look at things from the fight of I'm in Canada. No. When Jesus comes, it's not about it's not a matter where will you be, it's not whether you are in Canada. It also, it's not about the country where you are. It's where is your person in the issues and the affairs of life. In matters of the kingdom, where will you be? Philippians 4 8. Philippians 4 8. To help us to easily think about this, we should always have our mind. The Bible says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there is anything, is it what? Think on this. Think on this. So, for you to be at the right place when Jesus comes and when the trumpet comes, begin to frame your thinking around this. What is it I'm trying to do? This place, this, this state I am in, is it virtuous? Is it lovely? Is it of good report? If you have that kind of a thinking, you will be in the right place when Jesus comes. Let's bow our heads.